Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Well, just for a little while, some of us are going to be here in place of Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amuthan, and he'll be back, you know, not too long into the show, but he's actually taking some of his time to uh, be with our friends from Connect for Life who are graduating today. So this batch of friends, um, people who we're very familiar with here on Kelly and Company because we take um, part in their workshops and some of their classes uh, to present and to talk to some of the students. So this is really fun. Kelly was invited and he's um, over there joining their graduation right now. So for the time being, myself and Jeff Ryman are here. Jeffy, I have to tell you, um, I did something that I try not to do very often, which none of you guys will believe, but I'm serious, is eat right before the show starts. So I was hungry. I didn't really have a lunch. And so right before, like less than 10 minutes ago, I had some yogurt. Uh, some chocolate, like just just whatever I could find in the kitchen, scrambled <laughs> and ate, and now I feel like I'm still digesting. Now, do you ever do this? Like before on air yeah. hits specifically? So um, bad. before on air, I try not to eat within like half an hour. Um, otherwise, that's good. That's good a good rule of thumb. Remains, thumb. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it just not really great. <laughs> um. But I have done it before. I think, you know, when you're hungry, you're hungry. You, you got to eat. You don't want to go on air hangry and, and then That's you know, it. maybe say something you're not you, you don't you don't like or something like that. So it's understandable. It's pick your poison, right? Because you don't want to be on air like for me for the next two hours thinking, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. I can't even focus. I'm mad. Yeah. And why didn't I eat lunch and blah, 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 and be resentful that way or eat right before the show starts and feel like I'm clearing my throat every five seconds because I'm like, why did I do this? <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, I will say if you do, and this is like, you can take notes, people out there, if you're looking to get into broadcasting or whatever, um, green tea or hot water. Uh, those are usually my yes. saviors for my throat. Yes. Like if you just eat and your mouth is still coated and you know, saliva as gross as it mm-hmm. sounds like after you're done eating, um hot water uh green tea herbal tea like no milk uh usually really good and uh, i i do that and i know uh, corinne van dusen she she drinks just i was hot thinking water. of her too yeah she never it, walks in without hot to, water mm-hmm. yeah yeah and sometimes she'd be on air and she'd ask me if i could go run to the kitchen when we were in the office and i'd get her just plain hot water and i'd always ask yep. her like just, just, just hot water. Like, no, no tea bag in there. She's like, nope, just, no. just hot water. <laughs> it's just good some nice throat. warm water for your throat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. I, I'm pretty sure it's when um, I saw Corinne doing that every day for Layton when that was on AMI audio that I was like, you know what? This is a good idea. Cause even if you can't get yeah. the tea in, just grab some like lukewarm to warm water and you're set. Well, awesome, Jeffy. It's always good to start midweek on some good tips, what not to do with Ramia. So uh, thank you for joining that movement. Now let's talk about what's coming up on today's show. Members of the White Ribbon Movement are commemorating its 30th anniversary. This is really awesome. And we're going to find out more about this initiative with Margaret Weldon on In the Know. 
And Bella Strange is a makeup artist catering to the LGBTQ plus disability and special effects community. She, you might know her on Fashion Dis on AMI TV, but she's joining us for a chat on accessible makeup application. And it's from this point forward, she'll be joining us monthly. Also, the Disability Collective, they've announced their first in-person event. And it's a children's theater show titled, What Happened to You? We're going to talk more about that in the second hour of Kelly and Company. But now let's move to some headlines as soon as I can find out where they are. Here we go. Okay, so critics are calling the magazine article on obesity in the Middle East misogynistic and an attempt to fat shame Arab women. The article in London-based magazine The Economist was entitled Why Women Are Fatter Than Men in the Arab World. The article ran through possible explanations of the obesity gap of 10 percentage points between men and women in the Middle East. Fat, a word now considered taboo in much of Western media, was repeated six times. The author used the example of the curves of Iraqi actress Inaz Talib as the Middle Eastern ideal of beauty. Talib is now suing the magazine for defamation. Many critics on social media were appalled by what they described as demeaning stereotypes about Arab women. I'm Karen Chamas. Wow, this is just absolutely brutal. So uh, the word fat, let's just talk about that for a second, because I know... Um, based on some context and, and things that I've seen uh, or people that I've heard use the word fat, um, bring it back as a as an empowerment word, uh, similar to some words that you might know in the disability community, uh, in, in certain um, racial contexts and language around that, the people using the word fat to bring back the, the meaning of the word, um, to re-empower themselves, if you will. So... In when you're thinking that it's already transformed into uh, that kind of context, we're not just using the word fat to describe things uh, and people and, and shape of people specifically. Why is it being used so much in an article like this? And then the obvious answer is fat shaming. Uh, Jeffy, do you agree with that? Like this just seems to be uh, so much, such an extreme way to talk about obesity um especially what we're used to in north america right yeah absolutely in honestly listening to that whole report the first thing that came to my mind was what does it matter like what does it matter if people are like like what does it matter what your weight is or you know whether or not you're obese or not or if you self-identify as being quote unquote fat. Like, what does it matter? Like, why do we have reports like this out there? Like, it just boggles my mind that like, like there's still stuff like this out there. Yeah. And the thing is too, maybe there was some, you know, medical research, other things being put into this article that were important uh, for people. Like you said, what's the point? Like, what was the point of this article? And, just based on listening to this clip, we would have no idea. We just know that it's socially unacceptable. Um, it seems very disrespectful. It seems like there are a lot of things that were put in there that is just not okay um, in terms of language and comparison and fat shaming. So it it is interesting to think about in comparison to like what we are used to in Canada, the, the way that we're moving in terms of um, body shaming 
And then comparing that to other places around the world, like this was, you know, UK and Middle East, uh, and saying, are things just not at that point in other part of the world? Yeah, no, I, I honestly completely agree. Um, it was just a, a pointless report. <laughs> like really, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, and I completely agree with with what you said. It's totally about fat shaming, and just it like it's it's not right. I mean, people still are, um, I guess, figuring out the hard way that this is not acceptable in today's society. And um, yeah, I'm I can't say I'm a huge fan of what what that article is all about. Yeah, and I'm curious too the hard way, as you said. Uh, what that's going to look like for an author. Yeah. Oops. All right. A man who entered the realms of Britain's Windsor Castle with a crossbow has appeared in court. Jaswant Singh Chail is being charged under the Treason Act after he told police he wanted to kill the Queen. He has also been charged with threats to kill and possession of an offensive weapon. Chail was arrested at the Royal Residence west of London on Christmas Day 2021 when the Queen was staying there. Prosecutors allege the former supermarket worker from Southampton in southern England was wearing a hood and a mask and carrying a loaded crossbow with the safety catch off. After telling a police officer of his intentions, he was handcuffed and arrested. Karen Chamas, London. Uh, the first thing I think of here is mental health. Um, you know, empty threats or not, there's a lot to discuss on why these things are happening and the security of people who have to live with this kind of threat, aka the royal family. We're going to take a break on Kelly and Company. Be back with the health headlines. Jeff Ryman's going to stick around for that as well. This is Kelly and Company. Welcome back and thanks for listening to Kelly and Company here on AMI-audio from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on weekdays. I'm Ramia Amuthan and we're just waiting on Kelly McDonald to uh, finish up with the graduation that our Connect for Life students are um, taking part in today. And in the meantime, get a hold of us, 1-866-509-4545. If you leave us a voicemail that you'd like us to play on air, please give us permission to do that. And also feedback at ami.ca is our email address. And on Twitter, if you feel like hanging out there, the uh, handle to look out for is at AMI-audio. You can also find us with the hashtag Kelly Co. Well, since it's Wednesday, we're going to get into some health uh, headlines. Let's bring on producer Jeff Ryman. I'm Jeff Ryman with The Health Report. I bring in the latest studies, advice, and health headlines from major newspapers, magazines, and the Canadian press. Jeffy, uh, you told me that it was male grooming day, right? Is that what it is? On Friday? Yeah, on Friday. Okay, that's Friday. So I'm assuming this, and we're not going to talk about that today, but I didn't know there was a thing, so <laughs> just want to <laughs> I, say it. <laughs> I, I didn't know it was a thing either, but... Um, I'm I'm glad it is. You can get some good tips and tricks for you know if you're trying to shave your beard or you want a haircut or 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 whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I found an interesting article. Maybe I'll bring it to the show at, at some point. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. because like I don't know, it's always kind of cool. I mean, um, 
I'm sure Matt Agnew can attest to this when you have a big beard. Um, it's not always easy trimming that thing up. <laughs> so yeah. whenever you can find out a new tip or trick for that, um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm all ears. I am all ears for, for figuring that out because, um, and, and, and it's also, um, for your self image too. I mean, like if you look good, you feel good type of thing. And so exactly. if you can look a, as good as and speak in span as you can, then you're probably going to walk out with a, a little bit more of a swagger. <laughs> I like that. If you look yeah. good, you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. So that was the first uh, health headline. <laughs> what else? Yeah, that, that was that was Article One A. Yeah, um, but uh, Article One B um, actually still sort of has to do with, I guess, hygiene slash um, for sure health, um, and it's it's about sensitive skin. And I feel like we talk about it a lot in the winter, um, but in the summer it can be equally as bad. I mean, it's really hot out on some days in the summer. I like to sweat. <laughs> like I sweat a lot. And, and, you know, obviously that can irritate your skin. Some people can get rashes and all that. Um, so your, your skin is definitely equally as sensitive in the summer. Now it depends on what type of skin you have. Uh, if you're one of those people who have maybe drier skin, then maybe in the summer um, that can help with all the, the humidity and moisture in the air. But if you're somebody who has oily skin, you know, it could sort of have the opposite effect in the summer. So I found this great article um, on uh, CNN's website um, under their health section, and it's titled Six Sensitive Skin Triggers to Avoid. Uh, so these are all things that you want to avoid when it comes to your skin and if you have sensitive skin. So number one okay. on this list is hot water. And I know we've talked about before, you know, warm water is the way to go. Warm water is good for your skin. Um, it'll help keep that moisture in. But if you go too far on either side of that extreme, mm. if you go too hot, it's not good for <laughs> not good for your skin. And if it's too cold, it can obviously dry out your skin more so in the winter, I find. Um, but either way, try to stick with, um, you know, lukewarm water uh, for your hands. Um, and, and the same thing can go for, for baths. Like if, if you're big in taking baths, uh, baths without bubbles, <laughs> I know bubble baths are, can be fun. <laughs> um, but sometimes soaking that up, um, will not be beneficial for the hydration of your skin. Um, and it also alludes in this as well saying, uh, don't take long showers. Uh, I, I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to break that news. Uh, I know a lot of people like to take hot, long showers at the end of a day or, or to start your day. Um, but in terms of your skin, um, 10 minutes, 10 minutes is usually the, the target that you want to hit when it comes to showering. Anything longer than, say, 15, that's when uh, the moisture can start to be drawn out of your skin. And obviously you can literally could, feel uh, it. Your skin gets all yeah. shriveled like a raisin. Yeah. Yeah, you become mm -hmm. pruney, as, as yep. I like to call it. Uh, you know, you look at your fingers, you're right. It starts to look like raisins and prunes and it's yeah. not ideal. Mm -hmm. So once you hit that point, it's pretty much time to, uh, time to go. That's basically your body saying, all right, get out of here. <laughs> um, number two on this list is too much soap. Um, 
I feel like people can be guilty of this, especially me. Like if you're outside, if you're in the garden, if you're doing lawn work, if you're doing anything on your car and it's really greasy and stuff, uh, obviously you need a, a decent amount of soap. Uh, but don't go overboard uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, the more soap you use, the more moisture it's going to pull out your hands um, and it can definitely dry out and irritate sensitive sensitive skin. So um, when choosing your soap, look for products uh, formulated with moisturizers. Uh, Fragrance-free is always good. And sometimes on the label, it even says um, for sensitive skin. So if you are somebody who has that sensitive skin, um, be on the lookout for, for all that on the label. And you can also look at the ingredients. The ingredients are, are pretty key as well. If you do have, um, some skin sensitivities. Number fragrances, three. Fragrances, Sorry, I think ahead, is another thing that, um, we're kind of moving away from now, Jeffy, like we're seeing a lot more on labels, sure. fragrance free and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. if you grew up with it, like I grew up loving, hand creams especially that are fragranced fragranced yeah. anyways and then <laughs> so so it is uh, quite a difficult transition to to get out of that or look specifically yeah. for fragrant free yeah i mean personally i like the smell i know it can cause problems to other people if they you know are, are sensitive yeah. to those smells so you have to be mindful of that um but yeah i mean definitely if if you have skin sensitivities you know, try try to find something that says for skin sensitivity, and I'm sure it would. Maybe there's a fragrance behind that too. Um, but yeah, just, mm -hmm. just do your research, I guess. But at least you're like natural. Is, yeah, 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 exactly. Number three is regular laundry detergents, uh, and you may not really think about it, but your everyday laundry detergent actually might be bothering your skin. So to avoid aggravation. Choose detergents specifically designed, again, for sensitive skin. And be sure to use laundry products that are free of dyes and, here again, fragrances. Um, so stay away from fabric softeners and dry sheets because they often contain fragrances and chemicals that can further irritate sensitive skin. So it's pretty much this, along the same lines as we just talked about with soap. Do the same thing for detergents. Um, just there's just go to your grocery store uh, and, and look down that aisle and um, you're bound to see a detergent that is um, maybe maybe sensitive for sensitive skin. And again, without fragrances and all those harsh chemicals that go along with that. Um, another thing, a lot of people may not really think about this um, tight or scratchy wool and synthetic clothing. And wool, I think most people can attest to this. If you like to wear wool, I'm sure you're not wearing it right now unless it's freezing cold where you're listening from. Um, but wool is known for being itchy and irritating. And wearing it can often start a vicious itch, scratch, itch cycle. Um, synthetic fabrics like nylon um, can also aggravate sensitive skin. And since they don't breathe well, like, when you wear wool, the whole point is to, to, to keep that body temperature locked in, right? So it's not really right. overly breathable. Um, so since they don't breathe well, 
you can trap that moisture inside, leading to skin rashes. And instead, uh, it's recommended wearing more loose fitting in breathable cotton clothes, uh, especially if you're um, sensitive. Um, look out for garments with tags and seams and always wash clothing before wearing them first time. Um, so again, wool, I mean, I love wool. It's great in the winter, but um, it can also be a little bit harsh on your skin. So just just be mindful of, of wearing wool or any of that sort of synthetic style clothing. And last on this list is saunas or steam baths. And for people with sensitive skin, keeping skin hydrated is obviously a must. That's why it's important to stay out of saunas and steam baths since the hot temperatures and steam can cause your body to lose water and moisture. Plus, these consistently wet areas are havens for bacteria, which can also cause rashes and irritation. And I think a lot of people immediately think, oh, saunas or a steam bath. There's moisture there. Let's go in it. It's going to help my skin mm. if it's dry. Um it actually has kind of the opposite effect. I mean, most people go into saunas and steam baths to sweat and you do sweat and therefore that moisture is being released out of your body. And once you're, you leave uh, the sauna and you dry off after you've, you're showered and you're on your way out, your skin probably feels a lot drier than when you first went in. So like in the moment, it might, feel like a good idea and when you're in there you're like oh yeah like, this is not bad like there's tons of moisture in here but then once you leave that moisture filled room it's kind of like oh like what did i just do so um if you're a person who loves to use saunas or steam baths um just be mindful of of getting in them if you have sensitive skin so and, and you know it's probably encouraged after the fact to moisturize um and obviously those again fragrances <laughs> seem to be the, the the trend of this article and this uh segment here but it really is true i mean if you're gonna go use the sauna or if you're gonna wear wool or what whatnot i mean there are moisturizing creams out there and rum you sort of alluded to that earlier um which can be beneficial so um i don't know just just wanted to put that out there that if you do have sensitive skin like I do. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's overly sensitive, but I do have sensitive skin. Just be mindful of, of all these things. So um, yeah. just thought I'd get that out there. There are a lot of good tips here, Jeffy, and especially things to think about when you are actually considering the opposite as helpful, right? Like you said, with the moisture, yeah. with the, you know, comfort even. Um, but comfortable doesn't always mean that it's actually good for your skin. And, you know, once in a while may not make a difference. But the, the stuff that I think about is like your regular routines. Are you regularly yeah. taking super hot showers, regularly, you know, washing your hands all the time, et cetera, et cetera. But um, nice. Nice uh, yeah. list to go like, through. Thanks. Like, it's almost like counterintuitive, right? I mean, sometimes yeah. your hands are dry. You're like, oh, there's water. That's wet. That's nice and moisturizing. And once you're washing your hands, you're like, oh, this feels good. And then two minutes later, you're like, dang, like, now yeah. my skin's even more dry. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And down the line, you're like, oh, my skin is always so dry. I wonder what's going on yeah. here. Thanks, Jeffy. We'll catch up with you later. See you, bro. Hey.
Jeffy will be back on Friday for Lifestyle. But after the break, we're checking in with Margaret Weld, and she's telling us about the white ribbon movement on In the Know. This is Kelly and Company. This Saturday on The Pulse, folks, they continue with a three-part series profiling this year's inductees into the Canadian Disability Hall of Fame. This week, Joita speaks to human rights lawyer and disability advocate Lauren MacDonald. That's The Pulse this Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. Also available as a podcast if you can't join the show right here on AMI-audio. So simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. I'm back in the fold here, folks. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the program. And let's uh, take a moment here, folks. Well, a whole segment, since we're greedy. Let's now get in the know with Margaret Weldon. Life's continuing changes can lead to a lot of questions. Join me, Margaret Weldon, to get your answers, and then you too will be in the know. Mags, we're going to learn today about the white ribbon movement. So, of course, the appropriate question that Ramya and I have to ask is... What is the White Ribbon Movement and what's its goal? Okay, well, good afternoon, everyone. The uh, White Ribbon Movement is a national movement. It's the world's largest movement of men and boys. That And what the goal is, is it's to work together to create gender equality and basically uh, gain more respect for women. And, and it teaches boys, it has, you know, various... Um, activities, projects, campaigns, whatever, to teach boys how to respect women, right? So mm. in other words, you know, if uh, not just how to respect women, but even how to deal with their emotions. Um, and, okay. and that's what the goal is to basically, you know, create gender equality and to teach boys how to deal with their emotions and respect women. So the members of the White uh, Ribbon Movement are commemorating their the 30th anniversary of the organization and this initiative that they're utilizing is called uncomposed. Can you explain what that is and talk about how research has demonstrated the importance of music that has to do with this initiative? Okay. So I think I, I know why I touched this, touched on this particular uh, topic about music and, and emotions uh, a couple of months back, but what it is, is that music can often produce emotions. You know, if sometimes if you hear a piece and you might cry or, or you might, it might make you laugh or whatever. So, but this particular uh, music is called, or project is called Uncomposed. And what it is, mm-hmm. a group of um, psychologists, therapists, musicians, and uh, even some of the allies from the White Ribbon Movement itself got together and created a piece of music that demonstrates the various, I guess, emotions that people experience uh, when they deal with going through abuse or when they're angry and they, uh, uh, you know, do the abusing themselves and they then they kind of come out of it and they realize, oh, you know, maybe there's other ways we could handle this. And how they do that is they have various types of melodies, right? Some melodies, um, you might say, oh, okay, that note is going to come next because, it sounds like it's in a happy key, but nope, then it goes right to a minor key. In other cases, some some pieces of the music gets louder, some gets softer. So what they've done is they've put a film together about how this piece of music was created and, and uh, how the melodies were put together. And they're going to be 
distributing this distributing this film to various schools come September and talk about gender uh, equality and again you know to, to how to decrease violence against women uh, for men how to deal with and express emotions so that you know boys can kind of get the answers and get the examples and that's and they, they're calling it uncomposed because of the predictable and unpredictable melodies mm. and that and that emphasizes the importance of music that's right that's right yeah very, very yeah. good. Very, very interesting way. And and I can understand that disruptiveness that, hey, things are going along fine. And, and maybe the way people feel their life is when dealing with or, or you know, involved in any kind of, of disrespect, any kind of abuse. Um, the White Ribbon Movement also offers a number of campaigns, Margaret, some events, workshops and other activities on its website. One of those campaigns is called Men of Quality. Can you tell us a little bit about this campaign? Yes, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are actually involved with this campaign. Now, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been allies of the White, White Ribbon Movement for a number of years now. And this campaign was initiated and got started on Father's Day 2022. However, it's a campaign that they would all like to see uh, last forever. And what this is, is it challenges men and boys to not only be allies to women that they love, but to, to be allies to women in their communities, you know, maybe by helping them or by treating them with respect or by being polite or by showing boys how to be polite. Another thing that they are, are looking at is is to explain emotions. So maybe a father and a son are, are sitting together and suddenly the father cries or becomes frustrated and the father says, well, I'm crying because... I just lost, you know, my mother. I'm crying or I'm frustrated because something didn't go well at work today. So it's basically engaging and and creating people to become men of quality. And basically what that is, mm. is, it's, is it's to be respectful towards women and uh, other people of other types of genders as well. And actually, like what you're saying about understanding emotions, isn't it interesting how it comes back full circle, right? Like, you know, initially you're talking about understanding uh, emotions and why women may be going through certain types of emotion and, and really getting to the bottom of that and the empathy behind it, but also understanding your own emotions as men um, and being able to express yourself. It reminds me of a lot of these wonderful conversations we had with our friends from Movember um, and the the deeper than just talking about testicular cancer um, and other types of cancer and actually getting to the mental health side of things and, and understanding that way. So this is just, a, you know, one thing to 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 contender uh, to that keeps helping with that type of initiative. That's right. And one thing, too, I should mention, you know, men uh, more so, I guess, you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I think there's still a lot of it that goes on today where they have been brought up to suppress emotions. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, if, if, if a man were to cry or if a boy were to cry, um, you know, how often do you hear somebody say, oh, don't cry like that? That's just silly. Like you're the man, you're supposed to be the, the you know, you're supposed to be the provider. You're supposed yeah. to be this and you're supposed to be that. As a result, that can make a man feel very disconnected from simple emotions. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. this is where we look at the circle. Um, I, and the sad we, part of that, Margaret, is... I know some people will say males and females, they were told not to cry. Yep, and yep. it's a pretty sad thing when you, you literally due to your own uncomfortableness or whatever a, a person for saying it, 
could 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 try to uh, explaining it away while I was uncomfortable with the tears, the loudness, whatever it is, um, that they really don't understand the damage. Yeah, that's right. And that, a- that's right. Actually yeah. associating different types of emotion with femininity or masculinity. Right. Like that's yes. the, the biggest hurdle that we're trying to overcome. Um, I would say as a society, like trying sure. to do it, you know, p- let's not do that anymore. Let's keep working towards how we can all be more empathetic and all understand and express emotions as uh, they come. And you give a really good example of that, Margaret, by just saying how you feel and explaining why. So are there any other activities uh, or information on White Ribbon's website that you want to point out? Okay, there are a few things. Um, number one, and I didn't uh, um, produce it today because I think I think it's better for people to go on and look at it themselves, but there is a pledge on the website that men can take. So you might want to go on and look at that and we'll do the website at the end. But the activity that we're going to focus on now is called the consent quiz. And it's asked the question, how well do you understand consent? So what we're going to do, we're not going to do it like the points way that, uh, you know, the, the number of points that Jeff does. I'm going to ask Kelly and Ramya each the same question, and I'd like to hear what they have to say. And then we'll go um, and then we'll and then we'll go through the answer. So the first question is this, and we'll start with Kelly. Consent is needed only when it comes to sex. Oh, is that good true or is that false? What do you that's think? F- that's false. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Ramya? Agreed. False. Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. right. That's very good. Um, consent is basically needed anytime, even when it comes to non-sexual situations or, you know, such as giving somebody a hug or touching a, a, a pregnant woman's stomach or touching somebody's hair. And it doesn't matter whether you know the person or whether you don't know the person. Consent is always, always, always important. And by the way, that's the same thing that goes for men as well. Okay. Like, so, you know, if, if men don't want to be touched or hugged or whatever, we need to respect that um, yeah, of course. As, as well, right? So, mm-hmm. okay. Um, now, if a woman is wearing revealing clothing, it's okay to look and touch. Ramya, we'll start with you this time. Oh my God, this is no. And it's, it's, it's just no. Go on. Okay. Oh, All for right. sure. Just no. I'm sorry. I'm cringing. Yeah, yeah that's I, exactly I, what I, I was going to say. Yeah. Held yeah. It. Like, it just makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But you know what? There are people out there who don't really understand that, right? Because they think, oh, well, because women are wearing, or, you know, I guess even men too for that. This is like victim blaming. Yep. Are wearing that. You know, it's okay. And it's really not what you you think the person wants or doesn't want. It's really what the person says they want or don't want. And it's the words that give the consent. So, okay. Okay. So, Kelly, we'll go back to you. Violence can only be sexual. (laughs) <laughs> very false okay ditto okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make it a little challenging kelly why would you say very false um word it again margaret just so i want to just hear your words okay. again violence can only be sexual so like violence against a a, a, a woman or another person can only be sexual because you're, viol- fa- you're right. Violence can, violence can come in many forms, whether it's verbal, whether it's physical, whether it's destructive of people's property, whether you just witness it. It's never it's it's never acceptable. That's right. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd like to add, Romeo? 
No, that's really how it is. I think okay. of violence as abusive, um, and that can be abusive language. It can be abusive action. It could be emotional abuse, um, and it could be the recurrence of something over and over again that makes you feel, you know, stuck or uncomfortable or trapped. Uh, it could be people you know. It could be people you don't know. So, anyways, it can be okay. anything. Very good. Now, here's one other act of violence. Just quickly, did you know that financial can even be a, an, an act of violence sometimes too? Yep. Yeah, it can be an act oh, of abuse, sure. Yeah. Right? Sure. right? So, yeah. Um, so you're you're both right. So, um, when it comes to preventing sexual violence, uh, and and if you if you prevent it because you don't, um, for, you know, off offer it or you don't commit the act, your job is done. What do you think, Ramya? No, that's not correct. Uh, that's false. Um, because if you're a bystander or some a witness, uh, sometimes we just you know turn away because it's easier. Oh, it's to not do that. my business. Yes, you know I don't want to make things worse, et cetera, et cetera. But it is still your business. You still okay. know. Yeah, Kelly, did you Agreed. want to add something quickly? No, no, no. To me, uh, we all know our role. We all know what's right and wrong because you can feel it and you know what you can't be allowing, what you can't be excusing by staying silent or or ignoring it. And uh, whether I'm I'm not suggesting you got to jump in and stop somebody, but you got to do something to stop it, whether it's calling police, whether it's being there as a witness, whatever it takes to say, we won't tolerate that. Congratulations to both of you. Now, before we end things here and before I give out the website address, I want to preface it this way. I I think lately we have been hearing a a lot about um, different types of abuse that have been going on through uh, sports and through other things. And yes, that does go on. But I also want to remind people out there that there are some very good and very supportive men who do get up, who do work, who do care about their kids and who do, um, you know, make lunch for kids and, and whatever. But if you're somebody that's committing violence or if you're being abused or if you just want to check out the website to learn more, please visit info at whiteribbon.com. And there's activities and tools and projects and all kinds of things that are appropriate for all different ages. There's even a mailing address and a phone number you can call. So like I say, if you feel you need that help, please get it. Folks. I think the total definition of the segment, in the know, you just were put in that place right now. Thank you, Margaret. Appreciate it. We will visit with Margaret every other uh, Wednesday here on the program. We call the segment uh, In the Know. Coming up in just a moment, Bella Strange is a makeup artist catering to the LGBTQ plus disability and special effects communities. She joins us next for a chat on accessible makeup application. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly McDonald here, Ramya Muthan, my co-host. She's at the home studio in Toronto. Kelly, at the home studio in London, Ontario. And when you can't be with us for the program, do check it out via the podcast. Simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. You can listen to the show in its complete form. Appreciate if you do that. We toss on an audio vanity card. 
Matt Agnew supplying that today. Just listen to the end of the show, and there it is. You can listen to the show in segment form. Have a favorite contributor? Maybe you just want to pop in and check that out, or partway through a conversation with one of our external visitors? Well, folks, you can do that via the Kelly & Company podcast feed. Subscribe, and while you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. My co-host, Ramya Muthan. So, Kels, it's been a while since we talked, you know, fashion and makeup and that kind of thing on the show, uh, talking through styles and all of this. Um, but we are excited because we're going to start talking about this stuff now. Bella Strange is a makeup artist catering to the LGBTQ plus disability and special effects communities. Uh, she's the makeup artist that uh, is featured on AMI-TV's Fashion Disc, which is a great series. Season one is already out. She's going to be joining us now and fingers crossed, at least once a month on the show. Bella, it's very nice to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm so excited <laughs> to be on the show. It's been uh, a while, and I'm so glad we finally get to have you on. And we want to get to know you a little bit, okay? So um, people, like I said, could check you out uh, doing all your work on Fashion Dish. But tell us a little bit more. How long have you been doing makeup professionally? Well, my mother was a special effects makeup artist when I was growing up. So I guess you can say since the age of eight, probably, but I wouldn't say that my work at the age of eight is anywhere as good as the work I'm doing now. (laughs) But um, I've been doing it for for a little while. I say about 10 years, um, really like doing it professionally. But I mean, makeup's always been, you know, in my hands, in my hair, uh, definitely at the bottom of some backpacks. <laughs> it, it's been everywhere. So, yeah, it's yeah, professionally about 10 years. So let us in on specifically, what do you do when it comes to that 10 years? What are the jobs you find yourself on? And even, well, of course, we want to know, how, how do you land them? How has that worked out for you? Of course. Um, so what I tend to do is do more... Um, accessibility friendly makeup um, lessons and teaching people how to do their makeup in a way that will work for them, trying to get rid of any barriers because putting on makeup should be fun. Uh, There shouldn't be any sort of accessibility barrier or anywhere where you go, Oh, I don't think I can do this. No, we will find a way for you to do Mm. this because if you want to rock a winged liner, we're going to help you rock that winged liner. If you want to wear orange blush, I'll I'll teach you how to do that. <laughs> That's really cool because it's pretty yeah. empowering for people who want to, you know, if it's not up someone's alley or they just want a little hint or they want to make themselves up for whatever event they might be doing, Halloween or just every day going out or going to a meeting. Um, it, it's something that people need that versatility and sometimes need that outside person that says, well, no, I, I do this for a business. This is how... You do it. And and I'm sure you found those people who really never thought they could, never bothered, and really appreciate what they get to learn. And, and with by being taught by someone who has the eye for, oh, no, 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 don't go trying to put that much on. <laughs> well, it's great for me to help with people, especially because for me, Halloween is every single day. So it's basically <laughs> like you're coming for a makeup lesson in the Adams Family House. And so that mm-hmm. opens people up to these new situations of like, okay, this is fun. I'm having fun. We're having, we're trying new things, you know, like those are important to me. Having those new experiences 
uh, teaching someone to do their lips for the first time in like a beautiful pink color, seeing the light in their eyes when they go, I can do this too. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be doing this every single day now. Or maybe you want to look like a cat for the rest of your life. Hey, I am totally on board. I will help you look like a cat every single day for the rest of your life. Because that brings me joy if it brings you joy. Right. And that's true. You can literally see um, the the transformation or how people feel, like the, the, the energy um, that you get when you can put makeup on. But I got to ask, are we talking mm-hmm. disability? Like when you say, you know, making makeup accessible for people, are we, I think accessibility is disability right away, right? Like, you know, people with disabilities, mm-hmm. uh, makeup application. But, you know, have you run into circumstances and... Um, with people like worked with people where you're not necessarily talking about disability, but you're still talking about making this experience accessible. Of course. I mean, I have a lot of people um, who maybe were told growing up that they can't wear makeup or they're not allowed to wear makeup. So they always kind of locked that, that creativeness down inside of them. And what I'm there to do is help you bring that back up from the basement, bring that from the addict of your, of your soul, of your being, and let you play with that makeup. Because even if you don't want to wear it outside every single day, just playing with makeup, playing with colors, textures, glitter, that can just bring a whole new mood to your day. And Mm. accessibility doesn't, like you said, doesn't always mean, you know, something physical or, or, you know, emotional or mental. There's so many different accessibility things. There's like financial accessibility mm-hmm. things as well, because right. not all of us can afford La Mer and spread it on toast, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we can only afford what we can get at a grocery store or at your local drugstore. And that is fine. I will help you find the best tools, the best products with what you will have to work with, because that's the most important thing. You should never feel like, oh my goodness, this is way too much. I can't afford this. I, I, it's too much color. It's too much glitter. It's too much, whatever be the problem. It should be, Mm. okay, let's take little steps and we'll get you to a point where you feel beautiful. Even if it's just, you feel it inside of yourself. Yeah. We'll help you feel that beauty on the outside, inside, regardless. I want you to feel beautiful wow, and unique. Get, giving yourself that permission. That's what we are. Yeah. Yeah, wow. exactly. No one should ever feel like, oh, I was taught growing up or, oh, I was always, you know, I always thought that I wasn't allowed to do this or I'm not supposed to do this. Well, right. we're adults. We get to decide. We get to decide what we want to do. And if you want to learn how to do orange eyeshadow. I will teach you how to do orange eyeshadow so happily. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Can you give us a little context? Since we're talking disability, uh, tell us a little bit about your disability. Yeah, of course. So I am actually in a power wheelchair most days um, when I'm not sitting in a regular chair, I guess. Um, I have severe rheumatoid arthritis in most of my bones uh, and joints. I broke quite a few of them growing up, so it's very hard for me to walk around. Um, so we always jo- joke, like, when I'm with my partner, when we're going to walk, I say we're doing a walk and roll, you know, because, like, <laughs> rock and rolling, but walk and rolling. I was going to say, it sounds like a great tune, <laughs> walk and rolling. Oh, yeah. That's going to be my biography name. That's going to be the, the, <laughs> the name of my biography. 
So how do you change uh, that up with your work then? And, and especially with, with any pain or just even being in the chair, getting closer to people while you're trying to do them up on, on shoots or whatever they might be at and you're hired to do? Well, one of the great things is, is I always have a chair. So that part's already That's covered. Right. The only never fighting over it. Exactly. I never have to worry about like, oh, my feet hurt. I'm already sitting. I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I always try to have a chair that is almost, uh, if I was sitting with someone, they would be at my eye level. That really helps. Um, I know when I'm in school, like uh, doing co- courses and stuff, they usually have barber chairs, which go up and down, depending on how much you, you pump a, I think it's like a step at the bottom of a barber chair. You can right. use your foot and you can bring it up or down. And those help significantly as well. But you can also buy chairs from like Canadian Tire and have that person there. And then with the wheelchair, I'll just go onto whatever side of the person's face that I need to work on, or I'll sit right in front of them. Um, so it's actually quite accessible for me. Uh, it's wonderful. And it also helps the person that I'm working with feel calm because they're already sitting, right? It's like, it's a nice Mm. kind of spa feeling like, okay, I don't have to do anything. I just have to sit here and then I'll get to look like a superstar afterwards. That's so So cool. Sign me up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So using a wheelchair has not uh, hindered any of my jobs has not hindered anything. If anything, it's actually made it easier for me to do my job, having accessibility tools. Wow, that's great. And speaking of which, um, the accessibility tools and and making the, you know, what you you kept saying was, I'll teach you how to dot, 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 Mm -hmm. um, which is really awesome. So do you have other examples of tools, uh, you know, aside from what you use for yourself, but to help others get into that mindset of, hey, I can do this, uh, approaches or tools or other things that can be helpful for people. Like we can run down, you know, however many, but uh, just examples of things that make people feel more comfortable putting on their own makeup. Of course. Uh, one of the things I always say to people is don't be afraid if you have a dexterity issue. You can use your hands if you want. No one is going to think any different because we've been using our hands to put on makeup for millennia, for, for hundreds of years. Your fingers will work. Don't don't worry if you're you're unsure of brushes or sponges. Use your fingers. Use your hands. That is okay. If uh, hands and fingers are an issue for you, there's so many tools. There are certain brushes that are triangle shaped. Uh, that you can get that help. I know they help me with my rheumatoid arthritis. But also another thing you can put onto brushes is pool noodles. If you cannot close your hand all the way, a pool noodle will create a large enough uh, surface that you can hold that and use the brush at the same time. There's also a pencil, I think they're called pencil wraps. They go onto pencils. You can put those on eyeliners. You can put them on lip liner uh, pencils. And that'll give you a little more area to hold on to as well. Um, there's so many beauty brands right now that are coming out with amazing tools. Like on Fashion Disc, we used one brand called Guide Beauty, which was started by a makeup artist who had tremor issues. And so she has these beautiful tools that uh, for just one, the one we used on the show was a cat eyeliner tool. Wow. And, and it, Bella, you could trust it. Yeah. 
I'm so sorry to cut you off, but we got to go. And that's such a great note to end off on. I'm sure we'll talk, uh, pick up on that next month. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to Bella Strange once a month on this accessible makeup application. And she's a makeup artist herself. Stand by, folks. We've got hour two of the program with so much content ahead right here on Kelly and Company. When you tune into the show in the middle of an interview. I've attended what? karaoke at your place later at night. <laughs> Yeah. And I still wonder how come the eviction notice hasn't been stuck on the door. You're listening to Kelly and Company on AMI-audio. Welcome back to the program. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, tune in radio, the Radio Player Canada app. Hey, even those folks with the Victor Reader streams, great ways in which to uh, take in Kelly and Company. Uh, what do I mean? Simple. If you got to leave at the 2 p.m. start time of the show or sometime during the show or even during the repeat that starts at 5 p.m. Eastern, take us with you on your smart device. Tune in radio, the Radio Player Canada app, a couple of awesome apps in which to download to your smart device and take us with you. Also, folks with the Victor Reader streams, enjoy listening to Kelly and Company. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the program. And on Wednesday through Friday, we welcome in at the top of our second hour, Mr. Bill Shackleton. He's one of the producers over here at AMI-audio. Always love to have him on board. We call it the buzz. A lot of time, Bill brings stuff to us. We, we never know where he's going to go, so we let him take the floor, and off we go. Shaq, welcome back. Hello, and off we go. A variety of articles today. First one is Youth Mental Health in Crisis. Are schools doing enough from the Associated Press? So basically the article is suggesting that, uh, well, they're asking whether schools are doing enough to help um, students who are struggling. Well, first of all, most of the most schools in the U.S. are, they're pretty much back to normal. Um, but students are having trouble studying. They're having trouble. Maybe they're having trouble um, with their having issues at home. Um, they're basically having trouble getting back into the, as it were, the swing of things. Yeah, the routine. So, yeah, a routine. There's a tool that has just been launched, um, and it's it's uh, and it's believe it's in Kentucky, but it may be in other schools now. So the way it would work is. You, a student would log in, and they would get a a voice. As the article said, a voice would ask them, how you're doing? Are you hungry? Have you eaten? Um, how are things at home? And they would respond to an emoji, whether you're happy, sad, um, whatever. And that would go to the teacher. So the teacher would know that a particular student needed help. Right, it's maybe having a, a not a good start to the day, or yeah, that's and if right. you see that, I guess enough. Maybe you, you, you ask more, or follow up, or just. I think remember, you know, you'd have problem in school, right? Or you'd go in in a not so great a mood, you'd be bothered or whatever, or just be having a rough day, and then a teacher come down on you for a second, and you used to just get that feeling like, what, well, this just isn't my day. We we always used to try to laugh it up, grin and bear it, suck it up, as some would say, and I think we're. we're I think that's what some of the positive 
of this is. Now, obviously, there are people who would say, well, I don't want you knowing my business. Well, the, there's, there's a, a lot of parents. Um, you know, it's called social-emotional learning. And parents are, are saying, a lot of them are progressive ideals on racist um, gender and sexuality. And my problem with that is that, okay, if you are, well, you know as well as I do, kids are not going to go to the parents. Um, and, 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 okay, if you're a parent and you believe that, you better help your kid. Because a lot of parents are not in a position, they're not educated enough, they don't know enough, and how else are you going to help the, help the child? And 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 these parents are going are saying, well, on this emotional learning should not be done in the schools at all. Mm. And I totally disagree. Well, and unfortunately, some of the problems I think where people get into is that personal. Well, this is stuff that may in in a lot of time parents would feel guilty or hey man, I don't want people prying into my home and a lot of times that's where some of this starts. We've had kids at home for so long. Literally, I think about, well, if I wasn't doing this job in the or okay, if I had to go back into the office to do this job, I'm going to feel like a fish out of water, let alone if I wasn't at school interacting with people or at the you start wondering, do I even know how to talk to people? So I can imagine for kids, just as much as, as for adults, we tend to, oh, they're resilient, they'll bounce back, because we stomp on sometimes their right and hear their feelings. And this is where we do have to recognize, Ramya. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this whole concept is, especially the people who disagree with this emotional, social check-in, right? Um, as you were pointing out, Billy, I think that it's fascinating that people think that these are separate concepts altogether. Like you why, go to why school. Why do you think they disagree with it? Well, well I mean, it's obvious I, I they don't disagree, disagree with, with you. I feel people do for yeah, the yeah, wrong yeah. reason. Yes, for the wrong reasons, but they do, right? Like, so there's people out there who are more conservative, more traditional. They don't want, you know, it's the same people who were like, uh, it might not be the same people. Sorry, I take that back. But the, it's similar to the concept of like, don't learn about sex education. You know, don't do not do this. Don't talk about gender equality and and uh, and or, you know, promote, um, not promote, but like encourage uh, people of all genders, of all kinds, that kind of thing. So anyways, just these old school ways of thought. But it's interesting to me, it's fascinating that all of this, some people think, are separate from school. Like, if you remember going to school, then you'll know that everything plays a part in everything else. It's not just you go to school, you learn your academics, and you go home. All of these social constructs... um, the way that you feel emotionally and the way that you check in with each other. Do you have friends? Do you not have friends? Is there inclusivity? Whatever, whatever. All of these different things come up anyway in your school day, in your lives, like school lives, right? But um, as soon as somebody, some district makes an actual effort, like an active effort to say, let's check in with our students, especially after this overwhelming amount of time that we were all stuck at home, pandemic stuff, people have literally missed out on school life normalcy. You know, let's make this active effort to, uh, to make school a safe place, right? Or a place where we can all be open about that and continue to 
bond and share and, you know, treat each other like human beings, some people are actually going to say, no, 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 take this away. I don't want my kid to be telling, yeah. telling you how they feel like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, I think, as you say, it's old school. Um, the parents yeah, have like, certain what? ideals, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable to me that people are outright saying, no, please don't check in with my kid and how they feel. You're you're going to promote too much stuff that I disagree with. Are you kidding me? In other words, you're going to butt into our business. Yeah, and like what business is this? Just uh, just yeah. a couple minutes ago, we talked to Margaret Weldon about expressing our emotions and how important that is and valuable. Well, it's it's, it's deteriorating <laughs> the viewpoint that uh, mental health is, is a, is a uh, mental health is check-ins a are important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is what I and and my fear is so many people say no for the wrong reason and and when I say that is it worth it to not have your child checked on because you're you know and again I understand concerns what and, are you worried hey, about at home we have our own biz- all right you know okay you are you worried about the teacher knowing oh little little Kelly isn't the happiest boy here well you know and and parents being asked too many questions I get that. But there's a level of folks, we, we've just been through a pandemic. This is stuff we should have been caring Honestly. about before the pandemic. We talked a big game about it. Let's get to the action of really meaning what we say. And that yeah, word I action, agree. Kels, in this yeah. exact article, they said, you know, you click your emotion, how you're feeling. And it's like one of what, 10 options yeah. or whatever. Right. And, That's right. and then it's followed up by s- uh, skills, like skills to manage that emotion. Yeah, right, yeah. so it's right. like if well, you're tired, it'll it. give it you suggestions just on how to, to manage well, it. We better hassle the parents here. I'm that's saying. not that's not the issue at hand because I mean, let's we're not all naive. We know there's a lot of things that happen within school. A lot of things that teachers, you know, may say or do without realizing that there is no. In my opinion, there are so many places that could set one off. I know when I was a kid in school, it could have been anything. I might not have liked breakfast, you know, and, right? and just been down or sad yeah. about how poor the Blue Jays were doing and actually <laughs> depressed about it, right? And gone to school. What's wrong? I feel lousy today. You know, yeah. and, uh, what, what, what happened at home? That No, that's yeah. that's not it. it. My dad didn't no. come in, shut the TV off. Oh, that's enough of those stupid Jays. Forget it. You're think- depressed. These parents who are disagreeing, it's yeah, like they're they're, they're projecting yeah. and, and they're like, no, 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 I don't want you coming to me to try to change my views. So let's not start here because that's where it'll end up. You're not meddling. Jeez. Your dad would have loved that, Bill. Yeah, <laughs> he, I, he, well, yeah I know. <laughs> he would have told sure. people where to go. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> he would have. Right. Uh, well, we can moment. squeeze in one more convo. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do this one. Over-the-counter hearing aids expecting this expected this fall. So the the FDA is um, they have been pressured by consumers groups and uh, basically medical professions to make hearing aids more affordable. The problem with hearing aids in the U.S. anyway is that I think the article that there was 30 million people that are that have a hearing problem, but one third of them don't use hearing aids. Uh, a couple of reasons. First of first of all, the price. Um, five thousand dollars for a hearing aid for a set of hearing aids. Um, Medicaid is limited; it will not cover the actual device. It will cover the testing, of course, but not. Um, they figure that these over-the-counter hearing aids, if if companies once they start making them, will save the consumer twenty-eight hundred dollars, and. But, you know, part of the problem is that consumers, 
they don't want to go. You don't. Well, basically, with these hearing aids, you don't need a prescription. Right. You can get mm-hmm. it over the counter. You don't need part of the and and going to getting the testing and if you can find an ideologist and whatever, it does seem like it's going to make it cheaper, and maybe more people will will get the hearing aids if they don't have the hassle of trying to find where to get tested. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe making them cheaper. Um, you know, maybe we can beat some of this this problem. Yeah, I, I wonder if just because more people are interested buying them, that makes the price yeah. go down, makes it easier, yes. or less chance of people just saying, oh, I'm not going to bother. I got to see a doctor. I got to get approval, get this document before I can get one from Medicaid. Shaq, thanks a yeah. lot, pal. Thanks a lot. That will be interesting to watch how that unfolds. We'll be back it with will. Bill for the next edition of The Buzz Thursday right here on Kelly and Company. Up next... The Disability Collective has announced their first in-person event, a children's theater show titled, What Happened to You? We'll learn more about this in two minutes. Kelly Company is available right from your TV. On both Shaw uh, Direct Advanced and Shaw, Shaw Direct Classic, channel 825, ladies and gentlemen. Visit ami.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Kelly McDonald here. Appreciate you being with us on the program. I'm in the London, Ontario home studio. My co-host in her home studio in Toronto, Ramya Muthan. Well, Kels, we're going to talk a little theater, and it's always exciting when we say back to in-person. That's the theme of uh, this conversation. Yes, and theater, exactly. So the Disability Collective has announced their first, first in-person event, and this is a children's uh, theater show titled What Happened to You? And we're going to talk more about it with artistic director and founder Emily Maxwell and managing director Nathan Sartori. Nathan, nice to have you on Kelly and Company. And Emily, it's nice catching up with you uh, off of our work together at Luminato. How are both of you? We're doing really well. It's nice to to catch up with you as well, Ramya. Yeah, this is very exciting. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for coming on. So let's get into it um, because I think there's uh, some so much excitement that you guys want to share. So Emily, for those of us who might not be aware, can you tell us about the Disability Collective and what you guys do? Absolutely. The Disability Collective is a not-for-profit organization and community of disabled artists who are dedicated to celebrating and showcasing disability in the arts. And so far, we've done this through a series of online events. We've done showcases, virtual cooking classes, workshops, and more, all featuring disabled artists. We really strive to not only talk about accessibility and dismantling barriers, especially in the entertainment industry and specifically in theater, um, but also we showcase our disabilities proudly and want to, uh, you know, show off that disability is beautiful. Right on. Mm -hmm. That's the way to do it. Beautiful, fun, so many great things and words that go with it. Nathan, you have your first in-person show titled, What Happened to You? Can you explain what this is about? 
Yeah, absolutely. So What Happened to You is coming all the way from the United Kingdom. Uh, the show was created by puppet designer Nikki Charlesworth, who is from England. And it's a new heartwarming piece of puppet theater for children and their families. Nice. So Nikki created this piece uh, semi-autobiographically out of the need for um, seeing herself on stage and specifically in puppetry. Um, so it challenges the fundamental laws of what you traditionally see in puppetry uh, and her puppets that she created and designed reflect her own disability, which is cerebral palsy and the puppet moves as she moves. So it's really unique. You've, you've never seen anything like it before. I, that sounds really awesome. And how do you, where do you enunciate the, uh, what happened to you? Is it what happened to you or is it what, happened to you <laughs> good question that's though. a good question it's a really good <laughs> yeah. question does it really matter is I, there some context I, yeah i like to think that it's sort of up for interpretation i think that there ah. are sort of a myriad of ways that you could um sort of phrase it and think about it and think about the meaning behind it and i think they all apply yeah. um it is a line that's mentioned a couple times in the show and so that would maybe help give it some context but I think it's supposed to be up for interpretation and folks can um, sort of figure out what that means for them. Yeah, it's interesting mm-hmm. because it's a really good question because as I looked at it, that's what it reminded me of in my past. People say, what up with you? You know, why are you blind? Mm-hmm. What's, what's that about? Or yes. what's wrong with you, right? It's a, that's that's a wonderful question. Mm. Yeah, okay. and that's the exact theme behind the title of the show is that I think as disabled folks, we've all had folks ask us questions like that. And um, it's sort of challenging that, but in a fun, family-friendly, accessible way. Yeah. Well, and also interesting, right. too, to see herself, right? We've all said, you know, I'd like to see somebody like me. And I know when I watched TV as a kid, I related most to Mr. Magoo. And a lot of people say, what the heck? That's crazy, especially people in the low vision blind community. But I didn't feel so alone. So I understand that seeing yeah. oneself or, mm-hmm. or something, someone similar. Just anywhere, right? Yeah, anywhere exactly. seeing anybody like you. Um, Emily... How did the show come together? You talk about the the creator. Um, Nathan was telling us about the creator and all that. But anything else on just actually logistically putting the show together? Yes. Yeah, so we hosted um, uh, an event last year called Artist Movement. It was a virtual showcase online. And we had artists from all over the world submit for the showcase um, because it was virtual, we were able to connect with folks all over. And Nikki was one of the folks who submitted. And we just really loved her work and loved what she was doing. And we knew she had this show that she was putting together and um, had begun uh, performing in the UK. And we had been talking for a while about, you know, it would be so lovely to bring it to Toronto one day. Maybe that will happen in a few years. And then we got a call from Nikki earlier um, in, in about March saying, I'm coming to Calgary to do this festival. Is that anywhere close to you? Um, <laughs> we, you know, and we said, uh, well, no, but if you're already making the flight over the, the Atlantic, you may as well, you know, stop in and let's see if we can do something. And so right. um, it worked out that way. And we have made a few sort of tweaks and, and changes for the Toronto show that are um, maybe more, uh, more relevant to a Toronto audience. Um but, uh, yeah, this is a show that Nikki has been sort of working and creating for several years. And this is the first time it's being presented anywhere outside of the U.K. So she's very excited and we're so excited to be able to, to work on this with her. Congratulations to Nikki and, and for the company. Um, 
Emily, what challenges, if any, were there with putting this show together? Oh, there are always challenges. Uh I mean, (laughs) you know, well, we're really, um, because at the heart of everything, we want to focus on accessibility and true, authentic, disabled representation. We wanted to make sure that anyone we were um, reaching out to for, um, you know, sort of sponsorships or venue space or anything like that, we're also making sure that those were important goals to them. And so there, you know, finding a venue and making sure that we found a space that felt inclusive, working with other companies and organizations who also felt inclusive um, was really important to us. And we're very lucky that um, Tarragon Theater actually donated the space to us um, for this for this performance, and Rosemi Theater um, also donated funding to help us. And those are two organizations who work really hard to make things more inclusive and accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been really fortunate to to get to work with them. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just making sure that everyone sort of has the same values. And um, at the end of the day, what we all care about is, as you said, bringing that representation, especially for children, because that's something that we all really craved when we were younger. Um, so, you know, even in the challenging moments that we've been reminding ourselves, that's who we're doing it for. And that just feels so rewarding and exciting. Wow. Good space too. Tarragon's a beautiful place to do a show. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that inclusivity. Uh, for theater goers, Nathan, anything you want to point out about the accessibility uh, access features incorporated into the show, um, into the, the venue, and just anything that people might be thinking about in terms of accessibility? Yeah, absolutely. Um, of course, you know, because of the work that we do is all about disability and accessibility. It's always something that is at the forefront and integrated into all of the work that we do. So for this show, um, it's really creative in terms of of its accessibility, which is really exciting. So the show features creative use of audio description, which is actually embedded into the musical score. And they've created this character called A.D., which is actually spelled A-I-D-Y, A-D. It's like a little name for the character (laughs) of audio which is absolutely brilliant and they I love use that. the character and play of it it's absolutely wonderful it's really cool that is amazing and, and then, so helpful <laughs> carry on yeah carry on. yeah for sure it's, it's so nice to have things integrated directly into the shows rather than having them you know as a something that distracts your attention or or uh, takes your focus away from the action and speaking on that um, there's a deaf actor in the show named Hearns uh, who uses ASL integrated into the show as well. Um, so that's a really cool integration feature. Um, yeah. And, and, and on top of those access features, um, we're going to be uh, presenting this as a relaxed performance. So especially for children and disabled children, uh, we just want this to be a really safe and inclusive space for everyone. So the house lights will remain on. Folks can make noise and engage. They can enter and exit mm. the space. We really want it to be a safe space for everyone. And on top of that, <laughs> we are also having ASL interpretation at the workshop element of the show, which we might want to talk about um, on Sunday's uh, performance. So Sunday, August 21st, we have ASL interpretation available for the workshop element uh, as well. All right. Well, well, tell us a little bit about the workshop. Sure. Yeah. So the workshop is a pre-show complimentary puppet making workshop, which 
12.30 p.m. And the show begins at 2 p.m. So at 12.30 p.m. for 45 minutes, uh, you will get to meet the puppets uh, from the show, which there are three of them. And you will also be making your own puppets using basic materials that you might have in your home, things like construction paper, paper plates, paper cups, um, things that you wouldn't think of using to make a puppet. Uh, and it's going to be really interactive. So Nikki and her team will be uh, kind of uh, teaching folks how to make the puppets and really having the kids in the driver's seat to, to make these puppets. And then they're going to be able to uh, come up with a little backstory for them, bring them along to the show. Uh, just a really fun time uh, uh, for, for the entire family. Oh, just what theater is. Let's play. Let's pretend. Uh, Nathan, what do you hope kids take away from the show? Yeah, I think it all goes back to the idea of of being yourself on stage. And and I know um, for Emily and I and for Nikki and her team, um, we never had that opportunity. Um, So I think this is going to be really unique for disabled children to finally get to see themselves on stage. And for those folks who are coming who are not disabled, which is absolutely more than welcome, there's going to be so much opportunity to just learn and listen and engage. Um, Children are like a sponge and they're so um, innocent, but also absorb so much information. So being able to, to introduce children to this idea of disability as a beautiful thing and into all of these access measures that are integrated directly into the show. I think it's just going to be a really beautiful community experience for, for all Mm -hmm. involved. And I love the vibe of it being a children's uh, theater show and a relaxed performance. And you're talking about the safe space and you're talking about, you know, making your puppets and bringing them along uh, and the integrated AD and um, <laughs> as well as the character name and uh, all of this stuff like the the close, um, not the closed captioning, uh, the captioning and all of this. It just makes it feel like an environment you want to go to, you know, an environment that feels open um, and just so welcoming, you know, all this. Yeah. So welcoming. And the thought process that went into everything from the production itself to the access around it to, you know, how to engage uh, aside from the show, but to engage with the puppet making and then bring that into the atmosphere altogether. It's so fun. So Emily, same question to you. What do you hope that people take away and kids take away from the show? Well, you know what, I think Nathan, um, what Nathan said about, you know, for disabled kids and, and families um, with with disabled members of their family, I think it'll be a really lovely way for folks to finally have that representation. But I also just want to echo that I'm really excited for everyone to come and just learn about disability and accessibility. What makes me so excited about these access features like the audio description and the ASL being integrated is that Mm -hmm. everyone accesses them and then can learn about them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something we're also doing in the workshop is that uh, all the puppets um, are, we're going to ask all of the groups who are making puppets to come up uh, with an audio description for their puppets and come up with a sign name for their puppets. And, um, and so our deaf cast member is going to go around and help everyone come up with a sign name and we have um, cast members who are going to go around and sort of teach everyone about audio description. And so again, it's just this way of, of allowing kids and their families to learn about access and accessibility and why it's so important. Um, 
and and why these things should be celebrated. In a very comfortable environment. Yeah. Uh, Emily, where yeah. do we go to get more information? You can go to the disabilitycollective.com and uh, the disabilitycollective.com slash tickets if you're looking to get tickets. Um, tickets are pay what you can. Um, they're also available at the door, so folks are more than welcome to uh, to come and show up and buy their tickets at the door. Thank you so much, you guys. I'm so excited for you. All the best, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We were speaking with Artistic Director and Founder Emily Maxwell and Managing Director Nathan Sartori of the Disability Collective about their first in-person event, a children's theater show titled, What Happened to You? Pay what you can. You can't make it any more accessible. We'll be right back, folks, when we reach into the archives and listen to a conversation with independent living skills specialist Leanne Barda. One of the coolest things about theater, getting involved, but also as a creator of anything. And, and again, I said theater, but rum, I think right off the top, I, I should really say the arts in general, because you start with nothing and you create and you're allowed to do that. That's mm-hmm. the wonderful license. You're allowed to create. You're allowed to play. Let's pretend. Uh, so really wonderful and, and good luck to them. Um, we want to drop back into the archives here on Kelly and Company here, folks, and talk a little bit about bedroom organization uh, with Leanne Barda, of course, our uh, independent living skills specialist. This is from January 19th of this year. Today, we're going to focus on all things bedroom, from bed making to folding and organization, um, which is always a, a, a tricky thing to get into. So I'll uh, leave it with you on that. Where do we start and um, what brought this uh, around? Well, I figure since everyone's trapped at home, either from COVID or from uh, snowstorms or, you know, who knows, zombie apocalypses, we have time to sit home and uh <laughs> start to organize ourselves. So um, I thought this would be a really good place to start. And um, I know usually we save our, our, you know, room by room thing organization for spring, but I feel like this is a special occasion. So we should probably get into it a little sooner. Well, and with you guys out in that Toronto area, I'll just stay at home. And what else can I do? Oh, I'll do some organizing. (laughs) So how could we set ourselves up for success even before actually cleaning and organizing? Right, exactly. So keeping your bedroom neat and organized feels like some of an impossible task, especially, you know, if you've got kids and pets and everything else. Um, and now, of course, with time constraints and family needs and work and everything else, it keeps uh, cleaning and organizing tough. And so if you put a few simple systems in place and some minor adaptations, you can keep it going with a minimal effort. So if you have like a baseline system set up, then, you know, rather than starting from scratch every single time you go to clean, you know that, okay, well, when I'm cleaning up, all of my, uh, all of my towels get folded and they get put in this particular cupboard on this particular shelf. And when I make the bed, I have, you know, everything I need to make the bed in one package. So just, you know, wherever you can simplify it makes all the difference. So things you may want to consider are the use of color, contrast, textures, lighting, and other cues to help you set up and organize your bedroom. Um, so if you have low vision, adding better light in the closet can help you with identifying clothing. Um, 
other, you know, it could also help with um, making sure that you can tell the colors of things apart. So I know for some people telling black and navy blue is a really big issue. Right. Um, right. So, you know, is the lighting in the closet, you want to consider, is it bright enough for you? Is it uh, even and not creating deep shadows? Um, if that's the closet is not, the lighting in the closet is not adequate, you know, if it's bright enough outside, can you bring it to the window and see if that extra light can help you identify or differentiate the colors? Um, I know some people, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say that I do that all the time. Like it's honestly, um, huge to be able to take stuff to the window or if you have proper lighting in other ways, because sometimes the ceiling light is not enough or your closets are dark and you have other systems, right? Like you're going to talk about all these other systems we have for closet closet organization, but the light, it's like, oh, I haven't worn this in a while. What color is it again? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And and, and unfortunately for those of us with low vision, like you just never know what it's going to come up because the light that you have may really mm-hmm. affect it too. And and there's only so much you can ask of the apps that color tell, um, you know, right. or, yes. or, or, and that lighting issue is an issue for yeah. anyone at Be My Eyes or Ira too. They might, well, you need to go some, so <laughs> therefore you're taking it somewhere else anyway, <laughs> put the light in the closet. Right, exactly. So if you get a nice bright white light that um, instead of those yellow lights, it's, going to help a little bit more with uh, some of that uh, that contrast. Um, another thing you can do is match colors. So you can hold your clothing um, items side by side under the brighter natural light and see if that's, if you're able to see, okay, I know for mm. sure this is navy blue, but I'm not sure is this black. So if that, if you have enough usable vision that that would work for you, that's another option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really now, true. And how about like keeping flashlights and stuff? Do you recommend that? Okay. You know what? I have I I confess I have one in my bedside table, and I use it all the time. And I don't I have no judgment. Uh, I have twenty twenty vision with correction, but I use my flashlight all the time, um, especially at night. My cat gets into mischief, and I don't want to turn on the big light. And so, again, the same thing with the flashlight: a nice bright white light, so you can you can see those little LED flashlights from Dollarama are fantastic. Great. So, so, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah. So one of the, the, the first places to start to help you feel like your bedroom is um, put together is making the bed. So, you know, that's kind of like the centerpiece of your room. And if it's not made, everything else feels chaotic. Um, so something so simple can rejuvenate the whole look of your room and, you know, make it go a long way to feeling more organized. So, there's um, a few ways you can simplify the task. So we talked about keeping everything together. So um, to keep your sheet set together, you can place it in a corresponding pillowcase. So the top sheet, the fitted sheet, and the extra pillowcase, it all gets put into the, the corresponding pillowcase. And then all you have to do when you're done is go into your closet, grab that one set, and you know you have all the pieces you need to finish making your bed nicely. Awesome. That's Um, perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find, I don't know who designed fitted sheets, but it must be someone who. (laughs) And why. Yeah. And why. Yeah. Stay snug. Yeah. If you can get it on. Exactly. Is it the right way? Is it the wrong way? 
you know, <laughs> it's so hard to determine which, you know, which pocket goes where. I remember as a kid, my pop, mother giving us, you know, and, and I felt so proud because, of course, when I was at the blind school, we made our beds and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, no problem, learned. mom yeah. went in. And I remember crying trying to get the darn fitted yeah. sheet to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And folding fitted sheets is another, a whole other separate conversation. Um, but, um, so one thing you can do once you figure out which is the long side versus the short side, you can sew a button on that little part. So you know exactly that that's the long side. So if your button is lined up with the bottom seam of your bed, then you know for sure that that fitted sheet is going to go on. Okay. Yeah. And then so after the, next the fitted thing, sheet. <laughs> yeah. So making sure those elastic corners are fully tucked under. So I think I have a mattress that weighs like 50,000 pounds and I can't lift it by myself. So getting it tucked in is, you know, a bit of a challenge. Thank God I have Emily. <laughs> um, right. But uh, yeah, but there are actually things that you can buy now. They're like little clips and they will keep your fitted sheet uh, tight. So you just clip it on the bottom underneath that corner and it keeps um, everything in place. Nice. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are solutions to fitted well. sheets. <laughs> there are. So do uh, for duvets as well. So I know with the duvet, sometimes the, the, the cover shifts from the actual duvet itself. So you could actually buy special clips that go inside the duvet to keep it in the corners so it stays lined up. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay, but be, between <laughs> the duvet and the... Um, yeah, the last time and I made my bed. Anyway. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's clips. the flat sheet, right? Between all this. Yes. Yes. And so between the duvet, which is problematic and the fitted sheet, which is problematic, uh, you have the fitted sheet and it'll have a wider seam at the top. So it actually will have like, it's almost like a tactile line that goes across the top and it's about the flat sheet. a couple of yeah. inches yeah. Yeah, on yeah. the flat sheet. And then, you know, that goes at the top. So at least right. it has that tactile like component to it. And then you want to make sure it's even on both sides so that um, each person has an equal amount of sheet at night, which that is a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> we won't get into that today. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope, not today. Um, so pillowcases can be tricky as well. So if the pillow is extra like thick or puffy, um, you can tuck the long end of the pillow under your chin and then shimmy the case from the bottom to the top. So um, I usually say like, put the tag side um, into the pillowcase first because you don't want that tag, you know, rubbing against your face. Right. Yeah. And then um, once you're done all that, you know, you can, you place your pillows at the head of the bed. And if you have decorative throws and pillows or stuffed animals or whatever it is that <laughs> makes you happy, then. And then don't sleep in it. Cause you don't want to be doing say, this all over again tomorrow. No, yeah, you can Ronnie probably has all that stuff there. And, and that, so you have to go out and sleep somewhere else with all the stuffed animals or yeah. whatever you or have there. Right. I'm not messing or up. Like this Leanne nice was going to say, yeah. sleep on it gently. Don't move. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Just and... roll off in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Got it. Okay. So you've, you've wrestled with the bed, got that sorted. Yeah, so um, now it's done now. After making Beds. that, you're going to tame, yes. let's call it nicely yes. way, the, the rest yes. of the drawers and closets. Yes. So that could be an hours long job. So depending on how really things have gotten or how, you know, unorganized things are, if there's junk all sitting in the bunch of, in the bottom of the closet, like I know at Christmas time, every time I went shopping to hide things from the kids, it just got shoved in the, in the closet and I just closed the door and forgot about it. <laughs> 
What? We never do that. No, nobody does that. How did this Um, get here? Oh, you mean I bought those presents already? Oh, well, (laughs) anyway. So uh, a good rule of thumb that I use before Christmas shopping, um, if I haven't used or worn something the last six to 12 months, chances are you probably won't look at it again. So donating unused items to charity or shelters is a good way to put them to good use. Now, one thing that I've uh, I've learned about in the last year, Facebook has a lot of these buy nothing Toronto groups, which are actually fantastic. So they're usually done by neighborhood and people will post things that they're no longer using. And it's like a basically, a, um, I guess, trading kind of a thing. So yeah. someone will say, oh, I have this vacuum that I'm not using anymore. And then someone else will say, oh, I have this hairdryer. Does anybody want it? And then you post your intersection where you are. And they'll, they'll say, okay, well, I choose you, so you come and pick it up this time. And I've gotten rid of so much of my stuff and the kids' stuff, and then I've gotten, like, skates and brand-new shoes with tags. It's, wow. It's actually, like, an awesome resource. It's cool because so it sounds that, like purging, but also your, like, slash yard sale. You know what I mean? You get stuff in home. return. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, personal. So people will post like a bunch of stuff on there and they'll say, which lot do you want? And say, Oh, I need it because of this. And then people will say, okay, yeah, I like your story. Okay. Come pick up at this time and send me a direct message. And uh, cool. it's worked really um, quite well. So okay, now that awesome. we've, uh, we've gone on our Facebook group and we've gotten rid of our stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> we can pare down to things you're, you're comfortable managing. So start by putting um, outfits together on hangers with all their accessories. So you can just pull it out and ready to go. So um, I know when I do work with seniors, we'll put uh, a pants or a skirt on a hanger, then the top that corresponds with it. And then if they like to wear a brooch or if they like to wear a particular necklace with something, or uh, if it's a gentleman, then I'll uh, a tie or whatever else goes with it. And everything will be on the hanger so that the person just has to go in there, grab the complete set and get dressed. And they don't have right. to think about it. Leanne, do you and find this is a cool people... idea. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just more wondering, do you find that a lot of people try to wear stuff, especially those of us in the community, that, that just kind of matches several things or, you know, yes. like, again, as opposed to because when I was younger, uh, we had all the, the outfits, the shirts that went and, and stuff like that. That's what I was the, the time that I was a kid and stuff like that. That's what everybody they had more outfits. You know, this shirt goes with these pants. It was almost like they were bought together. But our society seems in a lot of cases and, and people in the community tend to wear a lot more stuff that matches multiple yep. pants or multiple shirts. So you do find that, that that's really the, what people are doing now a yeah. little more than the actual outfits. Yep. Yep, exactly. Guys, so if you have mix guys. and match, yep, mix and match. So if you have, you know, those um, khakis or those jeans, you know that it'll pretty much go with any shirt or top you have in the closet. So that is a really, mm-hmm. you know, easy way of taking care of it and having, you know, just, I only buy black socks and that's all I've got. <laughs> right exactly no but even in the winter um you know if if you're not necessarily outfitting everything together on one hanger but you know you're putting like a certain mitt hat and scarf thing together right like you're you're outfitting uh the accessories yes, at right. least that go together right or like certain pair of pairs of jewelry will go together that kind of thing i find to be super helpful too 
because uh, everything in my closet's like yeah. gray, gray, black, blue anyway. So everything's gold. You know right, I mean? exactly. So <laughs> however, you know, whatever system makes sense to you, that's the be- you know, that's the way to go with it. So right. the next thing, you know, I'll organize <clears throat> people's closets by color, by pattern, or by season. So you can put all the light colors in the front, um, the pastels in the middle, and the dark clothes at the end. And then you can mark them with um, a series of small safety pins with beads on them. So if it's black, it's a, a little safety pin with one bead. If they're blue, <clears throat> it's a safety pin with two beads and so on. So, mm. you know, whatever, it's a low-tech system and it works really well. Um, you can also There's get different textures for types. beads too, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So you can, yeah. oh okay. yeah, Dollarama, like you can get an actual, like a whole bead kit and um, you can just pin it right to the tag on your clothes and um, make sure, you know, you want to have a legend so that's accessible to you so that anybody who is helping you or like if you have someone who's who's doing that kind of thing for you or with you, that they know what your system is so that they put everything back in the closet in the same way. Right. Because okay. there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, having a system in place and then someone coming in behind you and even like a spouse or a loved one who come in and say, Oh, I'm just going to put the pants over here and I'm going to put that over there. Mm -hmm. And then it may as well be gone, you know? Um, And we've talked about like technologies like be my eyes or seeing AI or any of those color detector apps. And I find they're extremely hit and miss, even Mm -hmm. with good lighting. Yep. Um, Like it's told, I have like, I, I guess like dark, not like brown hair. And it's told my hair is told me that my hair was green and that my skin was like olive colored. I'm like, no, yeah, that's not and, it. And unfortunately, <laughs> not today. and be my eyes not and that is only as good as your camera. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Leanne, we have to halt it right here. Yeah. Um, we it's know good, we're going to a good break. Yeah, I think so. We, we've got other things. We'll pick up maybe folding and stuff like that. Stick with clothes when we yeah. begin in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have a great day guys. Bedroom organization we were talking about on January 18th with Leanne Barda in our independent living skills discussions. And be my eyes. Try using that on some of those TV menus. Wow. They literally blow out due to the camera. (laughs) We'll take a break, folks. And when we return, we'll see what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. Take a sneak peek at Kelly and Company Thursday edition. Remember, folks, to check out the Kelly and Company podcast in case you can't hear the live show at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time or the repeat at 5 p.m. Eastern Time here on AMI-audio. We're getting close to fall. It's like I'm checking times with myself. Now, hold on. Is that right with the new scheduling? Oh, hold on. Uh, Do check out the podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. If you get that opportunity, we'd love a rating and review if you have a moment. Thank you kindly. I also want to mention something we discussed yesterday. It was a story that we uh, actually mentioned to you. The Associated Press reported that Kraft Heinz is recalling thousands of pouches of uh, Capri Sun. Uh, The story should have made it clear meaning we should have made it clear, Kelly, uh, that it was only covering a recall in the United States. So at this point, not not applicable here in Canada, that recall of the Capri Sun, uh, only in the United States. 
So I mentioned the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Rum, any particular segment you want to give a shout out to? So we talked about the Disability Collective and their uh, upcoming show, What Happened to You? And the conversation with Nathan and Emily was just awesome. Um, talking about what this show includes specifically, like so much tactile information on the integration of disability awareness, of representation, of um, just, you know, access features, all of that right into the show, plus the relaxed performance aspect the access just uh, around the venue the engagement uh there's just so much that they put into it Kels and it's very thoughtful and just very welcoming as we said for people to go on you know it's like inviting everybody into disability culture disability space but doing it in such a welcoming way um and it's you know no better way to do it for a children's show so it's awesome relaxed performance. Really what a way to enjoy a children's yeah. show also to let people just experience, have have fun and enjoy it in the way that they would like. So a really, really interesting conversation that you can go back and check out via the podcast. You can also visit Now with Dave Brown and see what their show has going on this week and catch up on it to give you an idea what tomorrow's show looks like beginning 9 a.m. in the morning right here on AMI-audio. Paul Daniel joins us. Sir, a big good day to you. Happy hey, Wednesday. Kelly. You too, Kelly. Uh, you may recall, Kelly, during the last provincial election in Ontario, all four major political parties promised to build 1.5 million homes over the next decade. Yes. A recent, a recent report from the Ottawa think tank this week uh, said that number is correct, and, but questions its feasibility. We'll speak to, in terms of how it's going to be done over the mm-hmm. next 10 years. For sure. We'll speak to a senior policy director to see how it could be done. Stephen Scott from Double Tap Canada will tell us about the latest version of the Blindshell Mobile 2 phone. And Karen McGee will give us an update on Mike Shoreham, the disabled paddleboarder who is attempting to swim across Lake Ontario this week. He's already some, completed crossing four of the Great Lakes. Wow, some great stories. Uh, we've covered mm. a couple of those here on the program. So very anxious uh, to, to hear the latest updates there, Paul. Thanks a lot for sharing, pal. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care, Kelly. Oh, I gotta remember the uh, C and E starting. That guy will will disappear. We'll we'll find oh him gosh. testing out all the food soon. Uh oh, may Pickled not ice have cream, yum yum. Is that really a taste again? I don't know. Oh, okay. They usually it's have a the nice only thing I think of. Interesting list of weird stuff there. <laughs> um, we'll find out. Sylvie used to tell us always what they what they used to have out in BC. Peony. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Talk to you tomorrow. Sounds good. Michael Fair tomorrow will be highlighting to kick the show off the second standalone story, standalone story in Graphic Audio's Arkham uh, Horror Series, and it's called The Last Ritual. Gardener Susan Kearney will be with us, and she'll discuss with us why we should consider replacing our existing lawn grasses with uh, native sedge grasses and wildflowers. Also, Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada and uh, Inuk Inc., announced the launch the VLRC's launch of the Eye Health Screening Initiative to screen rural, remote, and Indigenous populations in northern and eastern Ontario for diabetic retinopathies. We learn more about the initiative on the program. On Curious Minds, we continue our conversation with Christine Malik about a website called Sensing the Dynamic Universe, aiming to make astronomy more uh, accessible. And on our roundtable, Julian Gillis joins us from Halifax. We'll get at it tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fedora's off to you, folks. So just recently, my family and I have rediscovered the joy of a public library. A little while ago, my wife had put an absolute stack of books on order at the public library, and uh, I, I jumped on my motorcycle to go pick them up. 
I tell you, walking in there, it was a real blast from the past. I used to spend a lot of time at the library, uh, whether it was, you know, after school programming or summer camps uh, or just going with mom and dad, you know, uh, spent a lot of time there. And they had updated it a little bit, but it was one of those things that really just didn't change. The sections were still in the same places, and while the carpet and the walls maybe had a little bit of an update, it was exactly how I remembered it. So I rode home absolutely laden with books, uh, backpack and saddlebags full. And my wife had had ordered a couple of them uh, for me, just some books that she thought that I might like as well. So I'm a few chapters in now to How to Be a Climate Optimist by Chris Turner. And I got to tell you, I'm really quite enjoying having uh, a stack of books to work through because I am a notorious doom scroller. Uh, it's a hard habit to break, I find. And uh, the first thing I do in the morning is roll over, grab my phone, start browsing Reddit or Twitter or whatever. And before you know it, you've spent an hour online hearing all about how terrible the world is. But having a book right there on the nightstand, something I haven't done for a really long time. And instead of rolling over and reaching for my phone, I plugged it in across the room and I roll over and I reach for a book. And there's something nice too about a book where the chapters give you a good breaking point, <laughs> you know? So I've been starting my mornings a little bit earlier because uh, you reach the end of a chapter and it's just a good time to set it down instead of Twitter, which will just scroll and scroll and scroll forever until the end of time. So why don't you rediscover your local library, see what they have for you. It's certainly worth the trip.